0: Ros McDonough is a registered midwife who has been practising her craft in South Australia for over 25 years. After working for many years in the public health system, she now has her own business, Hello Baby Midwifery, where she provides pregnancy and newborn care, meeting both clinical needs and personal preferences to help her clients navigate pregnancy and early parenting with confidence and support along the way, in a more private and intimate setting. This chat had so much information, we've decided to split it out into two parts – Part 1, which you're about to listen to now, goes into detail about the different types of care available during pregnancy. From public to private, midwife to obstetrician, and so much more in between, this episode is a must-listen for anyone who has just found out that they're pregnant and has no idea where to start. You're listening to the How to Mum 101 podcast.
1: We're your hosts. I'm Karen, And I'm Felicity.
0: Well, good morning, Roz, and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, you're
2: welcome. I'm excited to be here. How fun.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited to talk to you. And um, today's topic is really talking about different types of care that are available when people okay. become pregnant. Yeah, cool. But before we get into the actual types of care and some of the questions that we wanted to ask you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, You know, your, your family, where you're from, what business you're into, how did you get into the business? Oh, wow.
2: Uh, there's a podcast <laughs> just right there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I grew up in... In country South Australia maybe I felt that my my outlook was narrow for choices for women and occupation you know teaching or nursing so I you know went into nursing and then uh, did midwifery as well so I currently work in both uh, public and more recently in the private sector so I've just opened up my own um Private midwifery service uh, in the last year. After working quite a long time in the in the public sector, just really enjoying not just working for myself and having my own business and doing what I want to do, but also having the time to care for women. How I think they deserve to be cared for and giving them the time and the information, etc., that they need. So I'm just loving that aspect of actually putting the service back into service, <laughs> you know, just,
1: yeah. Um, oh, that's fantastic. So yeah. you're not just like ticking the box and doing all the instructions that you're supposed to do. You're actually doing it your way and yeah. being able to, to add in your flair and, yeah. and care.
2: Yeah. Yeah which, awesome. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying doing that. Um, and you asked about family, so married, three kids, who are all young adults now. I'm really enjoying this stage of my life and doing my own business and structuring things how I would like to and certainly lots of learning challenges. Um, yeah, I bet.
0: P- perfect. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that little um, little background into who you are and your business is obviously Hello Baby Midwifery. It is, Yeah.
2: That's right. Thank and you, you practice
0: here out of Adelaide in South Australia?
2: That is exactly right. So, um, and it's mobile. So instead of having a set place where I consult, I, you know, go to women in their homes and consult in their homes.
0: Is that is that quite unique for that industry or does that happen a little bit?
2: So in the private midwifery setting, that's kind of how we do it. In the public setting, There is for after babies born, home visiting, or actually midwifery group practice as well, some of the the midwives for pregnancy care would visit the women in their in their homes. So, um, yeah,
1: I was, in the, I was in the group practice uh, at Flinders and, yeah, all of my midwife visits through the public system were in my home. So, so nice. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't have to find parking and stuff. No,
2: but you, you do maybe have to clean up a little. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Swings <Sweden laughs> and roundabouts.
0: Yeah, and so I had a completely different experience because I was with a private hospital uh-huh. so I had to go and visit my obstetrician yeah. there every time. And I know exactly what you mean about parking because oh, it's normally, you know, nightmare. in a work break or a lunch break and you're Trying to duck in and duck out, and then you might get there, and then they're running late. Wait. So yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that you did home visits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's what this episode is all about, right? Is explaining the different types of care yeah. and what's included in um, within the, within those different choices.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's get into it. Roz. can you tell us what are the different care options that are available to women throughout pregnancy, birth, and postnatal care? And and does does the choice of hospital come into that decision as,
2: at all? Um, yeah, so so what are the what are the choices? So this is where it is or can be so overwhelming for women when you think, Oh, I'm pregnant, what do I do now? now? What? Yeah, so you they go to the GP and the GP says here do a blood test and you come away after that ten minute appointment thinking uh. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, or they might say we'll call this number, or, or they might say do you want to go public or private? Uh, and you have no idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like, how do you how do you make the decision?
2: Yeah, so, it's so hard. Let Let's talk about public options first, maybe would that okay. be helpful? So, yeah. Um, nice. So for uh, public health, Medicare funded, there's several different options of care even within that uh, public health system, and each hospital might do it slightly differently. And I'm talking here at South Australia because South Australia is what I know about. It is likely to be different in different states.
1: But it would be, there would be some similarities, wouldn't there?
2: Yes, the, um, there'd be some similarities, but potentially even between hospitals within South yeah. that there's some nuances or that some often might offer this and others not. There's several different options in public care. So there's midwifery clinic, uh, there's midwifery group practice, there might be shared care with your GP, there might be a couple of medical models of care depending on if the woman is normal and, and healthy and no underlying health concerns that then might guide which stream of care she is referred to, if that makes sense. So, okay. the, um, midwifery clinics and midwifery group uh, practice are generally for low risk women because midwives are the specialist in normal, um, and doctors can cover everything else. Some midwifery group practices might, might be just low risk, or that might be a mixed risk risk category. So, I know that Women's and Children's, for example, it doesn't have to be low risk; that you can have some risk risk factors in there or if you, you know develop risk factors, you're not excluded from midwifery group practice. At Flinders, I think you have to be definitely a, a low risk and there would be some things that say, well, you can't do midwifery group practice. Um, yeah, like a, a VBAC and things like that. Yeah, but potentially yeah. those kind of things. I know that um, and VBAC is vaginal birth after cesarean. Women's and Children's Hospital midwifery group practice do accept women who want to try for a vaginal birth after a caesarean, whereas I don't think Flinders do um, in a midwifery group practice. Midwifery clinic, that sort of would be all of that antenatal care provided by midwife and would try to make it the same midwife for that continuity, but it's not guaranteed And uh, sometimes that works better than others. Um, And then it'd be uh, the delivery suite midwife who is there at the birth when you come in. And then, again, it'd be a different midwife visiting at home. Midwifery group practice, they try to have that same midwife across the whole experience during pregnancy. They're on call for your birth. They come and see you at home. But obviously, if your midwife has been up for 10 hours the night before, you would want a fresh midwife. So again, (laughs) that's not guaranteed that you'd have the familiar face all the way through.
1: So is that one of the key differences between those two programs is that the midwifery clinic is a different midwife during pregnancy, during delivery and during aftercare. Yes. Whereas the group practice is the same midwife throughout. Are there any other key differences?
2: Of course. Are
1: there any other key differences between those two options? So the the
2: differences would lie in what suits the woman and her lifestyle. So uh, for a midwifery clinic, for example, it might be in the hospital or it might be out in a community setting on the same day and they can pre-appoint your appointments for the rest of your pregnancy. So it might actually suit you um, if you live just around the corner from a community clinic that the midwife is running to have it on the same day. You might not be fussed about who you see during labour and birth, it's the same day, the same person, and you've got predictability. So with midwifery group practice, they can get called in to somebody's birth at any time. So they might have to postpone or cancel an appointment with you, but if you've taken time off work to do that and then you have to do that again to reappoint, that might not be as convenient for your circumstances, but it totally might too. So, So they would be the main differences between those. Midwifery group practice... Often only pick up after 24 weeks after the morphology scan. So you might be having your first, you might not find out that you're into mid practice until you know you're halfway through the pregnancy or that you're not in. And then you think, oh, well, I was that was what I was really wanting to do. Where do I get my support now?
1: That does give us a good idea of the difference between those two options because I personally found it pretty difficult to make that decision. Mm. Um, the, the other thing that I thought uh, was a difference between those is that certainly in the hospital that I was at Mm -hmm. the midwife group practice had more of a a natural approach like they were less inclined to intervene with inductions and epidurals and that kind of thing is that is that something that that you've seen as a a difference or not really I mean
2: that's supposed to be the the focus for um, midwifery group practice yeah as for they want or for women wanting low intervention one of the advantages of having the same midwife and the of care all the way through is then you have that relationship so they've had the opportunity to talk about with you what your birth plan is and what you would like or not like as far as interventions go okay yeah. So there might be a little bit of um, self-selection happening, whereas a, a woman might say, oh, the mid group practice sounds nice, but I want all the drugs.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you want the drugs,
1: then rather go for the midwife clinic. Or the,
0: yeah, well, or an obstetrician yeah. even. Yes. Because so, um, cause I think, like, from my experience, the obstetrician uh, in a private hospital, I was given everything pretty <laughs> much. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, whether you're public or private, you will always have a midwife um, helping you during the labour and birth. Um, and, yeah, so you will always have a midwife because generally if you think about how long or short, a labour might be. The midwife is always going to be there. Your obstetrician will just come in and out, and we'll call them at the end, and or if there's any concerns and for updates and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So,
0: and I've got to say that was that was one of the surprises for me mm. being an
2: obstetrician. So, what?
0: You're so, not yes, going to be there not... the whole time. <laughs> well, it, it's true, right? You're paying because them a money. lot of money. You you pay are money are paying money a lot of money. And and you don't you, if you don't ask the right questions or you don't do you know, do me. your level of investigation mm-hmm. you actually don't understand what is what is or is yeah, included so there, there were a lot of yeah. surprises for me through my first mm-hmm. pregnancy not necessarily through the, the care side of things but certainly when it got to um the labor side of things but is there much difference in terms of the appointments and the care and things like that throughout as well depending on the the, the path that you choose so we
2: all have there's a, a document called south australian perinatal practice guidelines um, and that's Really accessible um, through SA Health for every light like, standards of care uh, during uh, pregnancy for, you know, different concerns or conditions like, oh, here's how we diagnose gestational diabetes, here are the parameters, here are the different flow charts for, for treatment and guidelines and, you know, so that we've got a, a uniform approach. They are guidelines, they're okay. not this has to happen you know, in this set order, but all of us in in South Australia would reference those as our basis, if you like. So um, regardless of whether you're public or private, I mean, there are other professional guidelines um, as well, national and um, international. For first-time mums, uh, South Australia has uh, said, you know, seven or eight I think in the hospital it might be seven or eight, added up to to ten with some um, antenatal education. So ten for a first-time mum, ten visits throughout the whole pregnancy might be all that's recommended. That's actually not a lot (laughs) 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 during the the whole ten months to get everything that you like, all the education and stuff. So in uh, the private setting, Um, Again, you're paying and it's often, like this is with obstetricians, uh, it's it's generally like a, a package deal and you might have so many, like it might be once a month and then it might be once a fortnight and then weekly. So Yes, that um, sounds
0: familiar. That sounds familiar to me. I had a normal pregnancy and it was monthly um, up until I think 28 weeks and then maybe fortnightly until
2: 36 weeks and then I think it was weekly. So um, in the Um, public health setting, there'd be a booking in, uh, a very first appointment at the hospital. That might be around about 12 weeks. And then there'd be one at 20 weeks, 28 weeks, 32, 36, 38, 40. That's seven appointments. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot, does it? So, yeah, so that's uh, a bit of a difference. And I guess as far as private midwifery goes we have the potential the freedom to add in more appointments as well and it's not just the 10-15 minute appointment you know if we're going to see someone like a, a 45 minute appointment would be a minimum generally speaking wow that's lengthy yeah but then you get to talking yeah. about things i mean where do you get your education from you know you go to your gp to have those initial blood tests and they might say well here's the form to do your booking bloods and they give you the piece of paper and you walk out and you think mm, what actually is here. So screening tests for AIDS, hepatitis B C syphilis, immunity to rubella, do I need those? Why do I need those? What's the purpose of, of those? Yeah. What happens if it comes back as positive? Does it mean that I have it or so having the time to actually talk about things you yeah. don't know until you have the information to, and That's the cool. opportunity to ask questions to work out if it's right for
1: you. That's a really good point because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups where where there's pregnant mums and every day there is one or two people coming into the groups and saying, hey, I had an appointment with my obstetrician slash midwife slash doctor, whatever, and they said, X, what does it mean? What, yeah. what should I do? And we're not the right people to be asking that question. <laughs>
2: you really need to be
1: able to talk, to talk to your care provider about those things, right?
2: And if you're, you know, sitting in a waiting room, you think, okay, this is taking forever, It's has been you know, a long time, and okay, they're busy, they're stressed, it's COVID, it's, yeah. you know, whatever is happening in their day, if you go in, you think, okay, we've got to make it short because they're so quick because uh, they're so rushed and whatever, and you think, oh, where's my list of questions and they didn't even ask me if I had any questions. And yeah. well, that's it. And I'm walking out thinking, but I have these questions. I can't. Can I turn around and go, can I turn around and go back in?
1: Yeah, uh, and you don't want to inconvenience them. Yeah. and so, delay other patients. And, yeah, yeah, so
2: you can feel lost and vulnerable and overwhelmed because you're thinking. But, I just want information, yeah,
1: yeah. so so sorry yeah. the, the forty five mm-hmm. minute that's you said that was what you offer as part of your private
2: care mm. and okay. it's it's often more than that, um, yeah. So, okay. yeah, so that's
1: one way to get a, get across the running out of time aspect is is being able to have that, <sighs> yeah that appointment in your home, yeah,
2: okay. yeah, um in the public system, if you've got the, like a, an appointment at ten or twelve weeks. And then the next one isn't until 20 weeks. You know, that's a whole, that's 10 weeks of not seeing someone. Not knowing. Um, In the private setting, you could actually add in a couple more appointments so you can, you know, have a little bit more of a chance to to talk um, and um, ask about things and check in and... Yeah, all of that stuff.
0: I think that's a, it's, it's actually taking me back to my experience as well because when you were just talking about the, the, the late appointment or the rushing in or the rushing out and knowing you've only got 15 minutes, I do remember having a few appointments where I did have yeah. Some questions, but um, it was like, oh, we'll, we'll get to those ones in the next appointment. Is, is there like a bit of a flow, I think you mentioned before, about sort of what you discussed at what time during the pregnancy? Because I felt like with, with my personal experience with my obstetrician, she sort of had her list of things that she would go through <clears throat> in each appointment based yeah. on how far I was through my through my pregnancy. However, you know, when I wanted to raise things, it was like, oh, we'll talk about that in your 32-week appointment or yeah. whatever it might be. So is there a particular, I guess, yeah, a flow or an order of things that you sort of tick off or, you know, talk to at different parts of the pregnancy through those appointments?
2: Um, there, there kind of is, but if somebody's asking the question, you kind of need to address it because otherwise they're going to be worrying about it for the, the whole time. Yeah. Or you can say, well, you yeah, know, yes, that is coming up. This is kind of what it is. Did you want to talk about it now or did you want to Talk about it later because you know pregnancy brain is a thing, and <laughs> you might forget what we've spoken about. We'll refresh later, or you know. But you need to engage with yeah a, with a woman to you need to answer questions basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there is like this is coming up, and and if I tell you everything about the whole pregnancy now, will you remember it? One, and are you going to be overwhelmed by it? To, and there can be a little bit of potentially paring back by clinicians. No, if you have questions, raise them. I'd like to think we will do the best to answer what we can. Good. That's refreshing to know. <laughs> I tell women, you know, oh, do you have any questions? And you see them thinking, uh, no. Well, <laughs> yes. I did, but yes. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. And I said, okay, r- write your questions down, bring them back next time, and giving people that opportunity.
0: That was actually going to be one of my questions is that something that you would recommend to sort of totally. you know, write down questions yeah. in between appointments and then yeah. and then bring them in yeah. With you yeah.
2: You know how it is as soon as you, you you've forgotten and then you're 2 minutes from the car and you think oh. <laughs> I don't I I know fine. what it is XYZ. now. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, yes. Yeah. Yep. That's it. So, Roz, I just wanted to go
1: back. We went through the midwife we clinic. We went through that.
2: yeah, and the and, midwife practice.
1: Yes. And then the next um, one you said was shared care. Shared care. Yeah. That's
2: right. That's so that's with a GP. The name comes from sharing the care of you between your GP and the hospital. So shared care GPs kind of specialise in obstetrics. They have to undergo, you know, a certain amount of training each year and updates so that the hospital knows that the, the GP is on the same page as the hospital as far as expectations of care and you know, the same mm-hmm. guidelines. They're up to date with all the information, etc. Again, a shared care model is generally for low-risk women and it's just – convenience for the woman they might already have a good relationship with their GP they might speak their own you know language for women who who are um, clever enough to have be multilingual which I am not you know convenience of the suburb all of that kind of stuff you'd come into the hospital for maybe three or four milestone visits so it might be to, to book in it might be after the morphology scan um, at 36 weeks and you know, when you're overdue, those would be the times that you would book appointments for you to come into the hospital, and then the rest of the time you'd be going to see your GP for all the the routine checkups. That's cool. and you know, depending on whether your GP bought bills or not, there might be um, a gap to pay for the for the visits. But you know, that's convenience okay um, as well. So does that yeah, cover and, it for
1: the the public options? Are there any other
2: public uh, options? no Then there's uh, medical models of care. So if you have some risk factors or develop some risk factors, you'd be seeing doctors within the hospital. So that's for women and unborn babies with some risk factors that may need medical management or obstetric input. So it might be, you know, everything is fine, but you might be a woman with severe asthma or a cardiac concern or epilepsy just needing a little bit closer uh, concern to those issues, midwives have had it would have a general idea, but it's beyond our specific scope of practice. So, or it might be a obstetric concern. So, you know, you've had the 19-week scan, there may be an issue with the placenta or with baby's growth or something that needs a little bit closer surveillance, then that would be a medical model of care. And there's also something called maternal fetal medicine. That's for uh, high risk women and their baby babies so that's for women and their unborn babes who require like specialist input and more frequent surveillance and obstetric management that might be and you might start there and then be discharged from maternal fetal medicine or you might start in a lower model and need to have that um, more frequent specialist attention that might be if there's an anomaly with baby or you might be someone who's lived through um, the stillbirth of a previous pregnancy or you know maybe you're expecting triplets and, <laughs> and, and, and oh God. you know you you want to call in the whole team <laughs> So, but you know all of that is there for, you know, it may be that they've noticed that baby, you know, you're well and healthy, but at the scan they've noticed that uh, baby's got a, a cardiac concern. You know, you want to um, just make sure that the whole team is on board and, um, you know, so you've got everything that you need there Okay. when and, when you need it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great. And in, in terms of, accessing those you wouldn't go direct to those medical models right you would be
2: referred there through your midwife yeah through your midwife or through your gp yeah yeah okay so if it's something that's come up early some of you may heard about about the the screening tests for you know down syndrome for example and they happen at around about 12 weeks 12 to 14 weeks. If that comes back, indicating that there's a, an increased risk of concern, you'd be referred to the uh, Maternal Fetal Medicine Unit and that go through your options for diagnosis and support Okay. And generally speaking, at the the first very first appointment um, that you'd have would be with a midwife, and she would work out according to the information that you discuss with her on the day as to what model of care would best suit you and what your options are. So that even if you do have some risk factors, but really want to get into MGP or have a midwifery clinic. or or share care, you go and see uh, the consultant first and then they say, yep, that's fine. That's in the past or whatever. Yes, you're okay to do these uh, low risk models of care.
1: Okay, cool. That was kind of similar to my experience because in my my first pregnancy, I went through the midwife clinic Mm -hmm. and um, I had some cardiac concerns. So I was referred to in uh, a doctor with mm-hmm. the maternal mm-hmm. unit or whatever it's called yeah. and then and then with my second yeah. pregnancy I was in the I wanted to be in the group practice mm-hmm. so they just sent me to the doctor first gave me the all clear that it's
2: all yeah. good and then I was able to yeah. access that program perfect yeah. okay. so the yeah. other um deciding factors might be cost so um in the public health system System. It is part of public health. It's your taxes at work, so it is um, free for you. The only uh, things would be if your GP charges the gap if you're doing share care. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing might be water birth. If water birth is something that you really want, generally speaking, water birth is in uh, public hospitals, not private hospitals. I don't think there are any private hospitals that do. Water birth because it's generally the midwives that do water births and not obstetricians. And if there's a, if you meet the SA Health criteria, then yes, water births are available. I mean, there are a few other things that need to be considered, like whether there are actually baths free, (laughs) like a room with a bath. Um, And of course, you want to know the equipment and the staff who are accredited to do it. So, but um, if water birth is on your list, that's public health that would do that, or um, private midwifery services. And again, home birth, if that's something that you really want to head towards, then the midwifery group practices at the major tertiary hospitals um, do offer home birth if you meet the SA Health criteria. And again, that um, document is on the SAPPG, the South Australia Prenatal Practice Guidelines, that you can actually look up and see if you meet the criteria. And if you don't meet the <clears throat> SA Health criteria, uh, you can explore your options with a, a private home birthing midwife and discuss that with him. So that that is the public option. It is That's a lot. lot. No wonder it's, it's so, so complicated. It's overwhelming and confusing to go, well, how do I know <laughs> what I want? I, I've only just found out that I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm just feeling really tired and sick (laughs) and you want me to make a decision. And I think
0: if you, yeah, that's right, you want to make a decision because you do want Mm. that continuity of care. And I guess there's that fear with some of these practices, there's only a certain size or a certain group or a certain bath or whatever it is. So you kind of feel like, I I know I did, I felt quite rushed to make a decision. And a lot of people had said to me, you need to decide, you know, by eight weeks, if you haven't got your care sorted out, you're basically in trouble. So that fear sort of came into it for me to pick, just to pick something. The pressure, Um, like you want to make the right
2: decision choice because this is affecting your life and your child and your, your life. is huge.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> last question about public. Do you get to pick your hospital or do you just get assigned? Oh, it's
2: zoned. Yeah. Okay. So there is the um, pregnancy referral line or but in South Australia, you would phone that number. I can provide that number to you later if you like. Yeah. You can phone that number. You would get a reference number. You would call the hospital that you're with the reference number to book in so it is generally um zoned you can ask to be uh, transferred to a different hospital um and that would be considered
1: so if you did want to choose a private hospital then i'm assuming your options would be you'd, you'd have to select then a private obstetrician or midwife to help you with that right
2: Yes. So at the moment in South Australia there are no private midwives who are credentialed to attend birth in a private hospital and it's the way that health insurance is set up and okay. the hospital system and stuff like that that so if you're birthing in a private hospital you it's with a private obstetrician you'll have the midwives Employed by the private hospital with you during your birth experience and you know potentially providing a bit of education um, throughout the pregnancy like obstetricians often have um, a midwife um, employed in their their rooms they might have a postnatal you know you can come back and visit for postnatal checkups afterwards they might have that service um, as well It would be, you know, one obstetrician or there's some obstetricians that work as a team. So they have you're the primary obstetric carer and then they've got another obstetrician who backfills if they're on leave or whatever. I guess your job is about researching whether location is important to you. Like it needs to be at this hospital for everybody's convenience And then looking at the obstetricians who are available and then how do you choose an obstetrician? Um, (laughs) Like, you know, what is it? The birth experience that you want? Do you want the the hospital or do you want if anything goes wrong that you know the person that's going to be caring for you or you have some underlying health uh, concerns? So you just want to, what's the reason for choosing an obstetrician?
0: Yeah, I think all of those things that you just explained were sort of yeah. parts uh, considerations for me. So mine was wanting yeah. a hospital that was close by. So I selected the hospital first and yeah. then I looked
2: at the obstetricians that, and then, yeah. Okay, yeah, so know. then I've got six totally. obstetricians that deliver in this hospital. Okay, who, who's got vacancies? Okay, that's narrowed it down another three. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> that, that, and That's right.
0: That was the question as well because one of the obstetricians that I had had yeah. friends that had, you know, on, on leave. Oh. Yep, she was on leave over that month and I thought, no, yeah. I, I want the same person there and they sort of were saying to me well it's not guaranteed that your obstetrician will be there at the birth but obviously we, we do have as you mentioned uh, some people that cover so there was two other obstetricians mm-hmm. um but I wasn't going to take mm-hmm. that risk so I went yeah. with a different obstetrician for that reason so yeah you're right there's lots yeah. of things that you take into consideration with them um, well that I did without doing any research um just yeah, going by word of mouth, basically, yeah. and location of I hospital. I think anoth- yeah. another
1: thing with selecting an obstetrician is that you might want to, in your first appointment, just ask some questions. You know, if you if you did want to have a relatively low intervention mm-hmm. birth, you mm-hmm. know, would you ask what their, their rates of intervention are personally for that particular doctor? You know, interview them, kind of. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. And you're paying a lot yeah. of money, so you should feel comfortable to do that. And that's actually why I switched to my obstetrician the second time mm-hmm. around because I wanted to have a VBAC. And my previous obstetrician was not really that pro based on my, um, my age and the fact that I already had mm-hmm. one. So I sort of did a bit of research about one that, that actually was um, supportive yeah. if everything was okay. Yeah. was supportive to go down that route. And that's why I actually ended up switching. So I think I had a lot more confidence the second yeah. time yeah. to interview the obstetrician rather than just go, oh, she's available. And she's going like, I felt privileged yeah. the first time around that that obstetrician actually could fit me into her schedule, yeah. which is crazy considering Pain. I'm the one having the baby. Yeah. I'm the one <laughs> forking out the thousands of dollars. Um, But that's kind of how I felt the, the, the I definitely shifted Great. the power the second time around yeah. and, and yeah. Took a bit
2: more control. Um, yeah. And you know, when you're in it the first time and like everything is new and you have no idea you don't know what questions to ask so you know I think that's great to let people know that they should be you know interviewing their obstetrician rather than the other way around so if you know that actually I want all the drugs um (laughs) or I want you know I want you know to be as intervention free as possible and you know, to have the support in that, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, so That's... whatever it is, just make sure that your particular obstetrician is aligned with your viewpoints and willing to support what you want for your. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, okay, I think that's that was a really good, uh, very, very thorough cover oh, of the care that, options. I think we're going to move into the yeah. So um, we didn't next, talk so this about any-
2: what private midwives can yeah. do for you. Yeah, let's do that. But we can pick up your care right from when you conceive. Um, some of us might do some preconception uh, stuff as well, but once you've conceived, there's... Medicare rebates we can order all of the the tests uh, prescribed within our scope so if you're eight weeks and you're thinking oh nausea you know we can talk to you um, about the self-help things but we can also prescribe medication for you to uh, use we can you know sort out the blood tests that you want the scans you would that are recommended that you might choose or not choose to have and basically help you navigate whether it's private or public health throughout your pregnancy there's some of us um, who are quite overwhelmed with requests for home birth at the moment then postnatally we can see you in your home up until six weeks and six days after the birth with medicare rebates Um, Sounds like a one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah. so that's the really nice thing about it and with the continuity. With some of us, myself, for example, I'm not a home birthing option or even a um, go-with-you-to-hospital option because I am still contracted at one of the public hospitals, so I don't offer a a birthing um, service. (laughs) There are several of us who say, well, we're not... Um, offering that birthing service, but we have student midwives who are working with us. So the student midwife can come along to all the appointments. They can actually be on call to come in and attend your your birth with the registered midwife at the hospital as that you know extra support person, familiar face, you can advocate for you. And then they, they come and to the home visiting appointments as well. Okay, that sounds
0: great. <laughs> Love it. Okay.
1: That's it for part one. We hope you enjoyed this part of the episode. I certainly wish I had known more about the care options available and had the knowledge I do now after Rosa's detailed description of how care options can vary depending on the path you choose. My biggest takeaway from today was to ask questions and to not be afraid to do so. It's your body, it's your baby, and ultimately you decide. In part two, we're going to delve into the typical appointments and tests that you can be offered during your pregnancy, what they are, what's the purpose, and roughly what to expect from them. So please be sure that you listen next week. And if you've got a question that you'd like to send us or a guest suggestion or anything like that, please jump over to our Instagram and send us a DM. We're at van.roh. If you'd like to connect with Roz, ask her more questions, please go and say hello to her on Instagram. She is at hello baby Midwifery, or one word, or you can see her on her website, which is www.hellobabymidwifery.com.au. Links and details in the show notes. See you next time.